cartridge blowers out there this is n64 life with myself cliff foster aka the amazing cliff on the old twitter your guide through the world's greatest computer game console of all time the nintendo 64 and it's in time for another battle for jinjos i'd like to apologize again because do you know what i'm in my happy place now i'm sat in the world famous shed studios the lights coming through the window even though it's not the greatest of days outside i've got a whole day off of just recording editing and being in my little happy place and do you know what it has been a hard couple of weeks and it's meant that this episode which i was really hoping i was going to get a morpher on and it's nothing to do with morpher it's all to do with me not being able to find the time of going right this evening i can sit down and do this because I've been getting home absolutely mentally exhausted. And that's why I delayed it by a week, because I thought, do you know what? I want to produce the best podcast I can for you guys. And to do that, I've got to be in the right frame of mind. Even though this is, as I said, my happy place, I can't be coming into my happy place bringing stress into it, because guess what? It won't become my happy place anymore. (laughs) Which will be fun if I ever have to do this for a living to figure out how to keep it my happy place. But at the same time, you know, uh, (laughs) bring it into that work element. So I'm here again. It's another battle for Jinjos. And as I said, we, we might not have a morpher on this one. However, do not fret. It will. He will be around because the mini histories mini history of dooms next year so it's not we we haven't got far to go until its 25th anniversary and also the mini histories starts from next month because on the 23rd of june sees the nintendo 64 turn 25 it's gonna be our first one our first mini history in the 25 year anniversaries and that is going to be mini history of Project Reality. Now, we're going to start from those first early whispers to the announcement of Project Reality, to the announcement of the Ultra 64 and it fully forming into the N64 we love and know. And we're going to be going into some of the stories of not only what happened in its development cycle, but... This was a huge turning point for Nintendo. They'd lost massive franchises during this. They they gained, you know, certain bits. They lost certain... It's going to be a hell of a story. It's going to be a hell of a story. And I can't wait to do this with you. Um, And this will see us kickstart the mini histories. And we'll be coming back to the mini histories in September time for our first look at one of this game's franchises. And it's going to be the first dive into this character. However, it will not be our last. Because in September, we'll see a mini history of Super Mario 64. Or 
Mario 64 or just Mario in general. Um, and I will have a really special guest on for that. And I can't wait for now and then 64 to join the podcast for that extra special uh, episode. I cannot wait. I am absolutely pumped. So let's get into this. Today sees these two games battling off in another battle for Jinjos. And the first game is... Doom 64. And it will be battling off against... Duke Nukem. 64 so i'm ready you're ready let's do this so let's go into this the rules because you might be shouting cliff i already know the rules i've listened to every single one before but this might be someone's first ever battle for jinjos so there's five categories up for grabs five jinjos and the first one is storyline. The second is gameplay. The third is graphics and sound. The fourth is what the critics thought of this. And the fifth is the most important. So every week before this podcast goes out, I will put up what the games are. And you go to Twitter at n64 life podcast and you go and vote and we received the most amount of votes we ever have on this one which i'm a bit surprised of 29 of you voted so thank you so so much but let's go into this storyline so doom 64 released in europe on the 2nd of december 1997 north america on the 2nd of april 1997 and japan on the 1st of august 1997 published by midway us uh, and gt interactive in europe um, and then developed by williams uh williams were famous for mk3 uh mk trilogies um but also known as wms industries now doom at this point was a well established beast it was the groundbreaking third first person shooter that really took the genre into a completely new space and as we know with the n64 a game came out roughly the same time yeah that one um (laughs) that pushed it even further in the way of multiplayer but doom 6 is doom obviously came out the original in 1993 doom 2 came out in 1994 and final doom came out just a year before this in 1996 it was originally going to be called uh the absolution uh, which was a name used later on for another game um but as it was the style of the time where they just wanted to sing 64 at the end of absolutely everything. Uh, Midway wanted Doom 64 to almost be a best of, so they wanted all the monsters, 
all the weapons to really vamp it up and we will go into this when we talk about graphics and sound but they really went and took every model that they had and spruced it up for the n64 and it's really evident when you play it you know from the demons i don't know their names i should have done the research the big red things that sort of fly through the sky they look so much cooler and nastier in this version of doom um but the story itself so we continue on the journeys of doom marine that's all he's known as the doom marine uh, after him successfully uh, going to hell and stopping all of those bad things from happening in Doom 1 and Doom 2, Doom 2 Hell on Earth. Uh, a planetary policy is established to quarantine the UAC research installations with apocalyptic levels of radiation. For years, the installation stood motionless and abandoned into a long-forgotten satellite, monitoring one of the installations barely functioning due to years of being subject high levels of radiation sends a message back to earth the message indicates that a single entity with vast rejuvenational powers and masked by the extreme radiation levels managed to escape detection this entity systematically altered decaying dead carnage back into corrupted living tissue resurrecting the demons as the only experienced survivor of the doom episodes the marine is sent in alone to ex hang on hang on a minute he's sent in alone right video game well, we're coming back to this now video game philosophy he's sent in alone no send him in with a team he can be an expert got why well, i'm not letting this drop he could be an expert and you send him with a massive team don't just drop him in there the poor sod by himself the amount of levels of ptsd he must have had from the last couple of games he's he's gonna uh, computer game logic so let's start again as the only experienced survivor of the doom episodes the marine is sent in alone to exterminate them later he realizes the demons had planned for this after he unknowledgingly uh, allowed himself to be lured back into hell the demons are unable to defeat him and the marker he eventually battles and kills the mother demons the game ends with the marine no longer capable of having a normal life no shit. the poor bugger had to go through hell last time literally and then you send him back alone not as an expert not as a no you send him in there alone that that make computer game logic <laughs> No wonder the poor bloke's not able to live a normal life. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, the game ends with the Marine no longer capable of living a normal life following his encounters with the Hell's forces. Um, not Hell's Kitchen. He hasn't come into contact with Gordon Ramsay. Just want to make that clear. Um, deciding to remain in Hell forever to ensure no demons ever rise again. So you've... Right, let's go for the computer game logic again. 
I'm not letting this go. So you send a poor bloke that's more likely to go through some hell of a mental trauma in there by himself. He's then put into a position that he feels this sense of guilt that he now has to sacrifice his own life and live in hell to make sure that no other demons rise up. The poor bloke, they didn't even give him a name. They didn't even give a name. We went into Zelda Majora's Mask where poor Link, you know, no one knew he was the hero of time. But at least Link had a name. Or Zelda, if you want to call to talk to some casual players about and I'm still not triggered. Um, But yeah, the poor bugger. The poor bugger. But... It is a real nice touch, and we're gonna go into gameplay in a minute because the nameless marine is badass. Now, someone that is badass is Mr. Newcomb, Duke Newcomb, Duke Newcomb 64, and this game came out in Europe on the 14th of November 1997. And in the US on the 31st of October 1997. No Japanese release. Let's see if Clifford's normal rule of if you don't get a Japan release, you're looking at half the numbers. Let's see if this comes into uh, effect this time, shall we? Um, it was published by GT Interactive and developed by Eurocom developers. Now, they were famous for producing a lot of the remastered games over or the redeveloped games over for the N64. Because, yeah, this game came out roughly the same time, but it is a complete port. This game is a complete and utter port of... Duke Nukem 3D, which came out only a year before. So it is a remake of uh, Duke Nukem 3D. However, it did also have a couple of 2D games before with Duke Nukem and Duke Nukem 2. Now, this is where we get into a territory, and I, I post this up on the Under Consultation Discord channel, that it could be possibly the biggest and I mean biggest lawsuits that never happened. Because if you didn't know already, the name Duke Newcomb has been used or was used before. My name is Duke Newcomb. I'm a nuclear shark. I'm hotter than Elvis. And I glow in the dark. Yes, Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Basically, these two, the original game and Captain Planet and the Planeteers, roughly came out about the same time. Now, that Duke Nukem's very different. If you haven't ever seen him, he's basically a guy that's been affected by radiation. He's gone all yellow, a little bit looking like the Thing from uh, Fantastic Four. He's got a red mohawk, usually wears a Hawaiian shirt and shorts, but he's a completely different beast, as we just heard in that lovely clip there. Um, but, you know, there was they originally were going to change the name. So, you know, they were going to concede, the developers, and change his name to Duke Nuke-um. Um, almost how we say it in England, actually, uh, with a U instead of an E. 
Um, but then later on found that there wouldn't have been any grounds for them to kick back on. Um, I, I tried to do a bit more research on this because I, I thought it was really interesting because we've had it before where, especially in the entertainment industry, people do get very protective. But there doesn't seem to be an exact reason why. Um, it could be that maybe with the planet is that it was the opposite way round and they just both decided to concede but it was really really strange that in the end he went back to m instead of um even though i still say duke nuke um not duke nuke m but anyway <laughs> he would have worked either way i don't think it would have had an impact on this character because boy this character you know who duke nukem is I'm sure you do, but let's let's not just let's not just assume here, because that makes an ass out of me and you. Duke Nukem, blonde hair, little bit looking like Johnny Bravo, um, loads of character, and obviously this game was a remake of Duke Nukem 3D. Now the thing is that this game very much relies on that humour to get through. And it parodies, so we, we've already talked about one game that parodies a lot in Conker's Bad Fur Day, but this parodies with Easter eggs from Aliens, Dirty Harry, e The Evil Dead, hi Ash, um, Full Metal Jacket, Pulp Fiction, and They Live, um, as well as having, you know, little Easter eggs in there, like the dead body of Luke Skywalker, the dead body of Indiana Jones, and do you know what, we, we'll go into this in the sort of development of this game uh, later, later on in this podcast. But the major thing is, is that some of this had to be cut because Nintendo are Nintendo. And there were very much Nintendo at this point. We're not talking that Rare could sneak in a game for adults at this point. It was very much a family-friendly console. And it also had, you know, even, even the monolith from uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, um, but the story itself is, I tell you what, you, you can say all you want about Drink Nukem, but entertaining, it definitely ticks that category. So, it's storyline. Now, when researching the storyline itself, it is done episodically. Now, everything that I've played this game and a lot of people that played this game a lot more in depth than I have have said that it loses its episodic um, feel to it but let's let's read let's read it episodically shall we so the game itself picks up right after the events of Duke Nukem 2 I have no idea what those events are I've never played Duke Nukem 2 let's just throw out there if you have Please contact me. What happened? Um, so with Duke returning to Earth in his space cruiser as Duke descends on Los Angeles in hopes of taking a vacation, his ship is shot down by an unknown hostel. Uh, while sending a distress signal, Duke learns that aliens are taking, uh, sorry, are attacking Los Angeles and have mutated PD. Um, do you know what? 
what I've seen of the American police service, that might be happening now. Uh, <laughs> with his vacation plans now ruined, Duke hits the ejector button and vows to do whatever it takes to stop the alien invasion. So as I said, it, we're going to do this episodically because it's the only bloody th- way I can find the storyline. In episode one, LA Meltdown, Duke fights his way through a dystopian Los Angeles with a strip with a strip club yep this is this is uh duke newcomb he is captured he's captured by pig cops but escapes the alien controlled penitentiary and tracks down the alien cruiser responsible for the invasion in san san andreas fault um duke discovers that the aliens were capturing women and uh don't and detonates the ship detonates wow uh the levels in the epi- this episode include a uh, movie theater a uh, red light district a prison and a nuclear waste disposal facility in episode two we uh, he's continues his journey uh, into space uh, where he finds uh, many of the captured women held in various incubators throughout space stations that have been conquered by the aliens Duke reaches the alien mothership on the moon and kills an alien overlord. Good on you, Duke. As Duke inspects the ship's computer, it is revealed that the plot to capture women was merely a ruse to distract him. Duke and women being distracted, don't believe it. The aliens had already begun their attack on Earth. So, in other words, Duke screwed the planet well done duke um in episode three uh shrapnel city duke battles a massive aliens presence through los angeles once again and kills the leader of the alien menace the cycloid emperor uh the game ends as duke promises that after some r&r he will be ready for more action as an anonymous woman calls him back to bed Brilliant. Uh, Levels in this episode include a sushi bar, a movie set, a subway, and a hotel. The story continues in the Atomic Edition because this game did include uh, some of the levels in Atomic Edition. Uh, It's episode four, The Birth. It's revealed that the aliens used, used a capture... It is revealed that the aliens used a captured woman to give birth to an alien queen. Lovely. A creature that can quickly spawn deadly alien protector drones. Um, as you do. Uh, Duke is dispatched back to Los Angeles to fight the hordes of aliens. What is wrong with the west coast of America? <laughs> Eventually, Duke finds the lair of the alien queen and kills her. Thus, Thwarting the alien plot. Levels in this episode include a fast food restaurant, Duke Burger, which we do see at the beginning of um, the uh, the episode one as well. A supermarket, Disneyland parodies called Babeland, 90s, um, <laughs> and Area 51. Um, it's... <laughs> Both of them are fairly simple, uh, definitely fairly simple uh, storylines and sort of 
you know, I, I think they all follow a very basic plot. What was more enjoyable reading? Right, let's pull it out there. Complete and utter plot hole. Why do you send the Space Marine in by himself? I get Duke. Duke's a bit like, hey, I'm Duke Nukem. You know, but, but at the end of the day, why send that Space Marine with possible mental trauma in by himself? I get it with Duke. I understand it. He's an egotistical maniac. I get why he's gone in there by himself. It makes sense for the storyline. So, first Jinjo is gonna go to Duke Nukem 64. Now, let's see if in gameplay this changes. So 1-0 Duke Nukem. As I say, I always do this very unbiasedly. I just literally look at it on paper, look at it on the actual games themselves, own the games to make sure that I can properly play them. And yeah, it is completely unbiased. I just literally try and take my own personal preferences off. But gameplay is always quite a personal preference. However, I did look elsewhere just to clarify that I was right with the gameplay element. Now, as I said, both of these games came out around the same time as GoldenEye, and the amount of times you see that these two, these three games get compared alongside each other, and we could have easily thrown GoldenEye in the mix as well, but we know because of popularity, GoldenEye would win. But with gameplay, we could possibly have on our hands one of the best first person experience first person shooter experiences that you can get now or ever on any console and that's doom 64 because you get that instant sense of nostalgia if anybody played any of the previous doom games now i didn't own i didn't have a good enough computer uh, you know we had something that we were able to basically use we i never had a massively great computer but my cousin matthew who lives in western supermare i remember going over theirs and uh for, uh, during the summer holidays and playing doom for the first time and it must have been around 94 i would say so before the launch of doom 64 so for me picking up this game for the first time it was that element of that i knew what i was doing you know, Doom doesn't try to do anything different. You know, don't expect anything groundbreaking. But what it does do, it does blinking well. And that is just action. It's all out action. It's 28 levels of battling demons, collecting keys, activating switches, and sw surviving ambushes, and rooms that seem to want to kill you as well. Because if anybody's seen my streams, I get always a bit kerfuddled when you're going into those corridors and you've got the ceiling coming down on you. The amount of times I've died on streams when I've gone and played Doom 64, it's the one of the most frustrating things on the planet. Now, even though the ceilings always love to murder me in this game, I've got to admit, the level designs themselves are next to perfection um i think that with first person shooters that you you either get terrible or great 
these are the high end of great levels um because these 28 levels are absolutely outstanding and let's go through them with the levels themselves you can break them down into sort of three categories you've got uh the uac base you've got hell and then you've got ones which are sort of known as the fun levels so let's go through it so map one is the staging area map two is the uh terraformer map three is the main engineering room uh the main holding area for map four uh the tech center the alpha quadrant the research lab and then the final outpost and then you go into hell itself um and that's where th they're sending him in <laughs> again to protect the earth um then you've got ever so simpler the breeding the terracotta core the uh altar of pain uh the dark citadel the Eye of the Storm, Dark Entries, Blood Keep, ooh, uh, Watch Your Step, Spawned Fear, The Spiral, uh, The Breakdown, uh, Pitfall, Burnt Offerings, Unholy Temple, No Escape, Absolution, which is the final level. Um, and then you've got uh, Cat and Mouse, uh, Hardcore, Playground, uh, in those sort of fun levels themselves. Um, now, each of these levels, as I said, they're so well designed. And we'll go on to the, in the graphics and sound with the lighting of these levels. But they, they all have this element of being a maze. But you, you, we've all been there. We've all been there with games, and a lot of people, including Tom Campbell on his streams, you know, with Ocarina of Time, it can be like, where the flipping heck am I meant to go? And there's nothing wrong with feeling that about Ocarina of Time, because especially the latter temples, it doesn't sometimes point you in the direction you should be. As I've said before, with Ocarina of Time, it's muscle memory to me, rather than me using any of the pointers that games give you. Now, you see this with all types of games, with modern games, with uh, not, you know, with older retro games. Games will point you in a direction. For instance, I'm playing at the moment uh, Batman Arkham Asylum for the first ever time. And I was telling this story on a stream that y you get to points and you're like, well, why is that spotlight over there? Why is this there? Why is that there? And it's very much the case with Doom 64. Even though these levels are vast, there is still an element of that it's, it's pinpointing things for you. If it's switches on walls, if it's little windows that you're seeing through and you go, well, I need to get there. If it's a doorway that's color blue, so you know you need to get the blue key card for it, it it never makes you feel like an idiot and that's what makes this game so damn enjoyable and if you're looking at let's say the actual gameplay itself because you know that's where we come down to now it is a first person shooter so with first person shooters it is also important what weapons you're running into each of these levels with now, as I said before, is that they wanted to make this like a best of Doom. And they definitely did that because all of the weapons that you've previously had in all of the other Doom games are here present. Plus 
a new one as well. So you've got the chainsaw, which is lovely. The 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 touch on the chainsaw that all of these have been redrawn. And now the original chainsaw was just a standard chainsaw. This is a double-bladed chainsaw, and it's it's that satisfaction of going into any level knowing that you're equipped to do the job you've also got the fist obviously you can get to the stage of that you can just one punch kill um which is a lovely little touch as well um you've got pistols shotguns super shotguns chain guns which always handy in a situation where you've got multiple bosses because as we've already said in this game it loves a good ambush that you walk into a room and you're like ah crap straight away because you've realized you've walked into the hornet's nest and sometimes that chain gun will be your lifesaver um you've also got rocket launchers plasma guns and the world famous bfg this one being the bfg 900 and there's nothing better than getting that satisfaction with the bfg and watching multiple enemies Fall down in front of you. Oh, it's just... It's one of those iconic weapons, isn't it? It's... its Everyone, you know... You, I, I, it's, it's, it's funny because I would say with the word... The abbreviation of BFG, I wouldn't go down Big Friendly Giant. I always think of Big Gun. Every time. I, I mean, it's, it's become almost a cultural icon i would say uh in the world of gaming and they as i said they did add one more game in, uh, gun into this and that is the unmarker which was a laser gun um that um basically is mentioned in the by Bi uh doom bible and was planned to be a feature in the computer game uh, the computer D doom game sorry the PC Doom games, <laughs> but never appeared. Its appearance in Doom 64 is the only official appearance of the Unmarker, and with the power of three ancient artifacts known as Demon Keys or Pentagrams found in the game, it becomes more powerful by a faster fire rate and max of three laser beams fired with all three demon keys. First makes a marker fire faster, the second gives it a second beam, and the third gives it its first third beam. I mean, that element of collecting in this game um we'll go into a little bit of why that can be quite frustrating maybe with duke uh nukem 64 but it, it makes you it gives you that moment of an accomplishment as, as we all say that comeback ability once you have completed this game of making this game a better feel you know once you realize with your marker you can make that stronger that's that comeback ability with this game completely now, also, you know, we've already touched on it has that classic feel of a Doom game and it works very well with the N64. This could easily have been a remake. This could have easily have been a remake, but it's a completely new game, but has that feel that we all want. And to be honest, if we're looking at it with a hindsight, could this be the best doom game of all time it's a it's a question isn't it um personally i think it might well be um i i even could have the argument of it with for gameplay itself 
you know, we're not looking at graphics, we're not looking at sound, we're not looking at anything else, but the actual gameplay and the enjoyability and the comeback ability with this game, it could easily be argued that it is. Um, and, you know, even with the tactics themselves, because sometimes you run into a battle, chainsaw in hand, and you just mow down everything, or, as I said, you pull out that uh, chain gun to really take down your enemies in front of you. But I think that, personally, that y you've got that differing element of that you could think very tactically with this. Um, you do. You have to sometimes think of running into situations. You have to sometimes think of getting the f*** out of dodge. Um, is that element that, you know, you have... You can come back and play this multiple different ways. But let's go on to, in the gameplay, what could put it down slightly. And that's the AI themselves. Now, we'll come on to graphics and sound in a minute. But the AI themselves just stand there and take your... Hi. They just literally stand there and take everything that's coming to them. There's no tactics to it. It's more of a basis of, let's stick multiple in a room so they all attack at once rather than you know them being a bit clever hiding behind things teleporting or anything like that they just they just stand there and take it um on the chin <laughs> now with this game there's one unfortunate thing missing multiplayer um it's such a shame because you know, this came out, and I, I think there was a lot of people over that Christmas where GoldenEye was selling out left, right, and center in 97, where they could have... You you would have been... I've heard actual people say on their reviews of this game that they got it instead. And if you're looking at what made GoldenEye sell was that N64 element of having those four sockets, four controllers... And I personally think that this is what lets this game down in the way that it's not seen as the best first-person shooter for this console. Because um, I think, personally, if they had had a really good multiplayer, it, more people would consider it so. But let's go on to a game that did have multiplayer in Duke Nukem 64. So... The, the previous game is a completely new game, which was great. I, I think that's brilliant. You know, they could have easily gone down a route of, let's just do what we've done before. But they haven't. They've respected it. They haven't rushed it out. Um, with Duke Nukem 64, as we've already said, it is a complete remake of the uh, original uh, Duke Nukem 3D. Um, but it, it's, uh, you know, I'm not going to put it down too much because Ubicon had a really difficult challenge. Duke Nukem, as we know, isn't the most PG of products. We were going through that latter parts of 99, uh, the 90s. You know, we've already spoken about, you know, pop culture, like wrestling. Um, you know, we, we're even discovering that on the Under Consultation podcast done by uh, Luke Owen and Ash Versus. Another shout out. You get to this episode. Um, you know, that pop culture was changing from 1994 to that 1999 coming into the turn of the century. Pop culture like South Park, things along those lines, it was changing. But Nintendo hadn't at this point. Now, we will go on to missed opportunities on this console over our journey 
Um, but it was very much the case that Uricon had to try and keep everything that made Duke Nukem for 3D great in the way of his humor, but at the same time make it so it was family friendly because Nintendo was accepting nothing but. And they kept it in the rules and they kept a lot in there. To be honest, it's got things in there that you won't see in any of those early games. It stood out so much. And the gameplay itself, very similar to Doom, in the basis of you've got 30 levels of pretty much just running around like a headless chicken. And they're all levels from the um, Duke Nukem 3D, as well as the uh, uh, Plutonium Pack patch, um, which uh, came out later. And it's a mix of uh, shooting, secret hunting, and, you know, just generally running around like a headless chicken looking for uh, keys um and as i said you know with this it lost its episodic so we we with storyline it i only could really found it really episodic but it lost that episodic feel because yeah it it, it went down to sort of names of the levels so we've got hollywood holocaust uh gun crazy duke uh sorry gun crazy duke burger uh which is a secret level uh, Death Row, Toxic Dump, Launch Facility, The Abyss, uh, Battle Lord, uh, Starport, and The Incubator. And then we sort of go on to the Time Factor, um, Fusion Station, uh, Occupied Territory, um, Tiberius, uh, Tobias, Tiberius, Tiberius, Tobias. We're going to call it Tobias just to make Toby smile. Hiya, Toby. Oh, you will. Uh, Tib- Tiberius Station, uh, Lunar Reactor, Dark Side, uh, Lunatic Fringe. Not that one. Not that one. Come on, wrestling fans. Not that one. Uh, which was a secret level as well. Uh, Dreadnought, Overlord, Raw Meat, uh, Bankroll, Flood Zone, LA Rumble, Movie Set, uh, Area 51, which was another secret level, um, which is one of those secret levels that are very much spoken about. Rapid Transit, uh, Fahrenheit, Hotel Hell, Freeway, which is another secret level, ending with the stadium. Now, <laughs> I'm gonna now go into, you know, I was saying that the levels were perfect in um, uh, Doom 64. Now, don't get me wrong. This is definitely a different feeling, Gal. You've got toilets. Now, we've discussed on multiple streams about the N64's obsession with bogs. Like, Goldeneye. Uh, World is not enough. Um, <laughs> Mission Impossible. Custom Robo. Like, literally, there's so many games on this console that goes, needs a toilet. Because where else do computer game characters go? And you can go as Duke if you really want to. That is one of the secrets that you unlock. Um, but, you know, I, I think that the, the reason... That I don't know why they didn't keep the episodic. Now, I haven't ever played the original. So I can't say which one was better. Um, it didn't take a flow out of it for me because I hadn't ever played that original game. And to be honest, the levels designs themselves, there is a bit of where the hell am I going now? Sometimes you get to that point where you're like, okay, where am I going? And you go from action very much to 
where the flipping hell is this key? Quite quickly. <laughs> it does enjoy... It takes away from that enjoyment. And it's... I, I, it, obviously, it's a different game to Doom. You know, in the way of how its humour is and things like that. But at the same time, it hasn't got the same flow as Doom. Now, weapons themselves... Yet again, I can't say too much about the original because I haven't ever played it. But everywhere that I was seeing was saying about the basis that they had taken away um, some of the weapons from and some of the fun weapons from uh, Duke Nukem 3D. Now, it didn't mean that they didn't include some of them already in there. So let's start with hand-to-hand combat because we've... You know, most games, it comes from the fist. <laughs> Hang on. Right, phrasing. It comes from the hand... No. It's usually a punch or a slap. <laughs> phrasing! Um, but it's usually a punch or a slap. With this, it goes into a kick, which is a very slight difference. However... Something that I do appreciate, having a kick instead of a punch. Um, then you've got pistols, shotguns, uh, MSGs. Uh, you've got grenade lo- uh, grenade pipe bombs. Uh, sorry, grenade launcher, pipe bombs. Uh, shrinker, the shrink away, the expand array. Um, you've got missile launcher, laser triple bomb. Uh, you've got the plasma cannon. It, it, they're all pretty, you know... They, they don't really stand out. We're not talking that this is culturally... The, I wouldn't say the weapons in Duke Nukem 64 was at, were as culturally important as a BFG. Um, but you've got a nice same amount of weapons as you did with most PC games and Doom 64. There's not a huge amount on there. You know, and as well as, you know, things to collect like armor, you know, you had that with both. You had that with Doom. You had that with Duke Nukem itself. Um, and the controls themselves, for me, as my personal preference. Now, we, we've been through uh, the single player modes of GoldenEye and Turok 2 Seeds of Evil. I made it quite clear on there. I am not a fan of using a C, the C buttons to look up and down. But this very much goes into that Turok, you know, controller system that I've made it pretty clear I'm not the biggest fan of. Um, and it feels like a PC port. You know, with Doom 64, it was made for the N64. So at the end of the day... It felt like an end. You know, we, we've said this multiple times about the controller. The controller is always awesome for games that were built for this console, but sometimes with ports, it struggles. And even using my lovely wireless Brawler 64 controller, send me another one. Um, Go on, sponsor me. Um, I think that personally, I, I still found it clunky. Because we Doom, there's no matter of aiming or anything like that. It is just running into a room and shooting, you know, which makes it quite fun. Um, but with this, you have to, you know, with flying bosses, things on those lines, looking up, looking down, it just feels very clunky. And even to the point of in those first couple of levels where you will get some of the uh, mutated LOPD uh, sort of flying around, um, it, 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 it doesn't really work if you understand my meaning like 
unless you played the game before, you, you almost say, well, how am I losing health? <laughs> you don't even notice that there's flying bosses. Um, it, it's not, I don't know. It just, it always feels very clunky to me. Now, as I said before, Doom 64 was really missing a multiplayer. It really was. However, this game did, and it gave you four-way deathmatch mode. You could have bots in there as well, face off against the bots. AI wasn't great with the bots. However, it was pants. I mean, it came out the same time. We keep saying this, as GoldenEye, it can't stand up. And I think it's a bit of a snooze fest. Like, you know, me and my son played on it. He then wanted to go straight back, you know, yesterday. This is actually yesterday. Me and my son played on it, and I thought, okay, let's see how he reacts to it. And he was like, all the way through, when are we going to play the uh, uh, Mario uh, 007 game with them, uh, the mod? Uh, oh, in a minute. We're just going to play this first. But when are we going to play that? You know, that excitement of <laughs> having a mod that, you know, from a great multiplayer that... You can play as Mario characters now. That was more exciting than Daddy wants you to play this game just to get a feel of how you think of it. And I was pretty bored of it as well. And I was like, yeah, let's switch over. It, you know, at that time, if you have both of these games, there is going to be one that has that comeback ability with multiplayer. That would be Goldeneye. So, here we go. Another Jinjo to give away. Who am I going to give this to? Now... I, I think you're more likely guessed because in my personal opinion, it is my favorite first person shooter for this console. I mean that. And I, it's fair enough, if you don't think it is, that's fine because there's so many great ones. Even the world is not enough. Great first person shooter. Goldeneye, great first person shooter. Your Turok great games, they have their market. <laughs> you know, the great first person shooters. But at the same time, this for me, I could pick this up anytime and smile and laugh. Even if I'm dying, even if I'm being crushed by the falling ceilings, it makes me smile. So, Doom 64 wins the Jinjo for gameplay. And now it's time to look at two games which were prominently on a PC market. How they fared in the way of graphics and sound. So it's one all, one all. We're coming on to graphics of sound and let's start with Doom 64. Now, as I said at the beginning, newly drawn artwork, which is, it makes me, you know, being playing the originals, I prefer the artwork on Doom 64. I love it. And actually, with the power of that N64 behind it, there were some lovely moments of lighting, the dark effects um, that added to that mood, that tension. Obviously, you did have some issues with the PAL version, that it could be stupidly dark. I mean, like, to points of where you're going... I can't see anything. And we've had it on streams where I'm like, guys, it's not just me. Can you not see anything? <laughs> but there is a bit of running around in the dark, that, you know, looking for the answers. Any Hooperstank fans out there? <laughs> not many of you. Um, I think there is an element that adds to that tension still. You know, you can 
boost up the light if you want you know the lightness of it but there is that element of it it, it makes you it, it keeps that tension and every little bit of noise adds to that atmosphere adds to that feel of it um now let's point out the elephant in the room with both of these games 2g sprites now it's for me as let's say if you are looking at goldeneye if you are looking at turok if you're looking at any of those games they were fully 3d so you imagine you were 12 year old kid and you're receiving this you had no experience of doom quake or um duke nukem before and you receive this some beautifully pieces of pieces of artwork coming towards you with not much animation and to be honest they felt 2d you know there's these levels are 3d the boss the baddies themselves the nasties they felt 2g now for me i don't mind that but I'm just trying to put myself in the position of any um, young gamer out there. You, you haven't got yourself the golden eye, but you've got either of these two games. Would you be like, oh, I don't like the feel of this? Personally, I've always liked, even at that time, that retro feel to it. It made it stand out for me. Now, one thing that changed in Doom 64 to the previous ones is that soundtrack I'm, I'm blasted a bit out there sorry <laughs> soundtrack so doom is always known for its heavy metal soundtracks even to this day with uh, the latter versions of the Doom series. However, this went to a completely different direction. And as you're hearing now, it's more of an ambient sound. This works better because... We'll go on to Duke Nukem in a minute, but for this game, being a bit jumpy, um, being a bit like, oh God, I can't see where I'm going. Ah, there's a, somebody's firing at me. You know, making you jump. Um, personally, this ambient sound, this the music doesn't take control. It's not there all the time. I think it works a lot better. Now, you could say that that could be an issue with cartridge space that we've spoken about numerous times on this podcast before. But for me, that sound just really made it feel very atmospheric. And, oh, it, it, it worked. It worked. Um, and let's go on to Duke Nukem. Now, as I said, this is... This is a port of a game that came out two years before. But for me, looking at the levels that you're in um, and the textures especially, you know, this is, you know, polygon, full polygon graphics, you know, <laughs> within then 64 territory. And the, the backgrounds, the level designs, I'll be honest, they feel a lot more dated to me. They do. They feel so much more dated and a bit 
more drab than Doom 64, but they they do have some nice moments um, and nice improvements from the original uh, that I've seen with light and explosions. And, you know, it has got that Duke Nukem touch. You know, if that's arcade machines, if that's, you know, cinema screens, if that's uh, toilets, we'll go back on the toilets. You know, it, it has got those lovely little touches to... You know, the stages around you, to the banks, to the to the burger joints, you know. I think that it, there is an element that, you, you know, it, it has got a little bit more character. And, you know, a bit of a difference to the levels. As well as having actual 3D bosses. There are some bosses that are 3D, which does add to it. Um, and they did really look into that full polygon revamped engine um, and made it a lot quicker. Now, with sound and graphics as well, we're talking about refresh rate. There's never, you know, haven't even really touched on it because there's no refresh rate issues. But everything that I've been told is that this new engine did make it run a lot smoother than um, Duke Nukem uh, 3D. And it made it run a lot more quicker. Now... The thing with sound is that this game obviously was on a cartridge. However, it wouldn't be Duke Nukem without Duke Nukem. Oh, Jerry, I wish you'd been there to answer your phone. The name's Nukem, Duke Nukem. Yeah, I'm calling you, mother... Hi. Too bad you didn't answer the phone because I had something great to give you. That's right, you would have won a brand new car. That's right. A Chrysler Town and Country was yours had you answered the phone and identified this voice. Mine. Guess who I am? Duke Nukem. That's right, you would have known. You would have won the car. But you're not there. Tough sh. <laughs> now, we've said about cartridge space, there wasn't a great deal to add uh, in the way of his little quips, but John St. John, who pretty much has made a career out of playing this character has some great one-liners you know he he's he as i said there's certain movies that are uh, referenced and this this podcast but the last one was all about wrestling let's keep it wrestling because he he does uh, use like famous lines like um, r- from rowdy piper uh, in they live I- i've come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass and i'm all out of bubble gum you know he, he quotes and parodies these bits and pieces and almost becomes this parody of uh, you know the arnold schwarzeneggers the jean-claude van damme's that action hero and you know, if, if you're talking about having a character stand out um, compared to the poor, poor Space Marine from Doom 64. Poor guy. Anyway, um, I think that Duke is, he's what stands out in these games. Personally, for me, he's what stands out in these games, not so much the games themselves. Um, and music wise, let's go into music because it's very easy to talk about music in this game because there is none i mean not a smidge of music not a smidge not even sort of you know background noise when you're going to the cinema or anything there's just nothing absolutely diddly squat and i've said this with games before when there's been no music it makes duke nukem 64 seem like a very very lonely place which almost just you there. So, 
Sound and graphics. Uh, I would say that, you know, these games both had that feel. We've already been into it in that basis of imagine you're a 12 year old kid, you've seen your mate with Goldeneye, and you're given even one of these two games. Would a 12 year old be a bit disappointed? Quite possibly. As a retro gamer in me, I love that feel. I love the feel of both games. However, for sound and music, it has to go to Doom 64. Now, this is where we go away from what I think and what the critics thought and what you thought. So, let's have a deep dive of what they thought back then and what you think about now. So it's time to find out if Doom 64 holds on to its title because it's 2-1 up or Duke comes back with a vengeance with what the critics thought and what you guys thought. And we'll start with the critics review. Now, let's go into numbers, shall we? Because we've already discussed heavily on this podcast about that Japanese market. And the N64 sold a lot better in Japan than it did anywhere else. That means if a game did have that Japanese market, it tended to double its numbers. Like, literally double its numbers. Um, Doom came out, so Doom 64 came out in Japan, but Duke Nukem 64 didn't. However, this is surprising. Or maybe not so surprising. Because the Japanese market did not want a Doom game. It's pretty evident with the numbers because Doom 64 sold 470,000 units. We've seen games that did not get get launched later on in the N64's lifespan that sold more units than this. So 470,000 units. It's not a great deal. And in fact, Duke Nukem is only 30,000 units less. So that's all 440,000. Now, it may well be, as we've discussed quite heavily, that GoldenEye effect to this game, that people wanted GoldenEye. Um, they wanted it. And maybe that contributed to the low sales and two games that would end up almost in the bargain bins and the resales of gaming shops up and down the land and across the sea. Um, now, let's go into what the critics thought of these games. We'll start with Doom 64. So IGN had to say about Doom 64, a very strong sense of deja vu lingers over this game. But as a conversation, this is very competent and technically well done doom 64 is much more scary and action laden than turok for example you won't spend minutes running around corridors looking for enemies you will rather spend your seconds trying to get out of corridors because there's so many um as far as pure shooting action goes, this game delivers the goods. Make no mistake about it. This is the best update to Doom so far. But if you've played the PC, PSX, SNES or Mac or Saturn, Sega Saturn, uh, <laughs> etc. versions to death, 
you cannot you can do without this one even if you've never owned a doom game or you are a hopeless fanatic rent it first along with turok and shadows of the empire then decide which one's the game to buy um it's weird because now I have a conversation with Doom 64 with people and, you know, Morpher is, uh, you know, shame he couldn't make us on here. My fault completely. Um, it, it, it's it's such a, yeah, it's it's seen so highly nowadays. It, it's, it's, you know, we will go on to this. We will be coming back to Doom eventually. But it's seen so highly and I think that that... That that reviewer was very much looking it through those twelve year olds' eyes. When you've got Star Wars, a grit, a glittery new thing called Star Wars, a glittery thing called new thing called Turok, or a glittery thing called GoldenEye with its multiplayer, and then you had Doom, which had been done to death and back. And then let's go on to what the critics thought of Duke Nukem. Duke 64 may be late. GoldenEye beats it in everything but speed. Um, but it still retains the incredible level of design and great weapons and selection of the original. Eurocom have gone, done a great job with the 3D engine. The one-player mode is fantastic. And the polygon weapon, polygonal weapons effects um, in one-player mode only are a sight to behold. Um... Unfortunately, the multiplayer modes are bogged down with limited visibility, but turn out to be quite fun when all players know the levels by heart. Duke Nukem 64 is definitely a better and much more intense shooter than Hexen or Doom 64. Wow. Okay, so it's been brought into the conversation and Hexen will be coming up in our timeline as well. And currently the best N64 game with a two-player co-op mode. Um, if you don't already own the PC or Saturn version of Duke, do yourself a favor and get it. A solid and fast conversion of the PC awesome title. Now, that's really interesting. Is somebody looking at it back then was actually saying that Duke is the better game. And it'd be interesting to know what you guys think. If you guys are agreeing that Duke is the better game, contact me at N64LifePodcast. Give me a little tweet. Tell me what you thought. Because we'll go into what you guys thought in a minute, but I get the sense that people are very much like me that doom has aged better but back then doom 64 with ign scored 7.4 and duke scored eight so the jinjo for the critics goes to duke nukem 64 now you guys because my favorite part of this is to hear what you guys think and as i said you did you did not disappoint with the amount of people that voted and i got a couple of the regulars message along as well so we'll start with sean steer um i've picked duke newcomb because i have or i've played it again recently on the switch 
20th anniversary edition that did have some more levels to it as well um same with the releases of doom 64 um james station 64 says joke because there's a time door release in the uh, doom 64 that made me swear more than any other game yes some of those keys where you have to run over to a pillow and go and get up is quite frustrating plus duke uh has 64 bits toilets it's toilets again the 64 love to toilet uh matty boo hello matty <laughs> but matty has to say uh, i was never a big fan of uh i was never a big a fan of duke nukem uh, was always a Doom fan. And Doom 64 felt like a better gameplay experience. And the lastly, it's Misha. See, we get one of them that's trying to get me to this target of uh, 200 uh, followers on Twitch. We'll come to that at the end. Um, but uh, Misha says, um, I, I'm worried if I vote for anything other than Doom 64. Amorpha will send Pocket Ninja around to my house to kill my electronics. Because we all know, if anything breaks... It's always Pocket Ninja's fault um, and Steven's fault. There's just two people to blame nowadays. Um, <laughs> in joke for the Twitch stream, if you're not part of it, you've got to be part of it. Um, yeah, so I think that, you know, Doom 64, it's, it's very much split down the middle. And it was one of those votes that could have gone either way. And then at the end, one game, it's happened before, just got a massive influx of votes. So, as I said, thank you so much for everyone getting involved. But, with a score of 74% against a score of 36%, it's two all at the moment. However, the winner of this week's Battle for Jinjos is Doom 64. Ah, so close, so close. It wasn't a, it wasn't the uh, galloping away that we saw of uh, WrestleMania 2000 last time. That was close. Wow, it could have gone either way. Um, if I, I don't know what happened, but I think I've just got this little influx of people going, no doom. Um, let's go on to next month then. Because, as I said, we're going to have our mini history of Project Reality. We've got another battle of Jinjos in two weeks' time. We'll go through that in a minute. And hopefully, we will have a little bonus episode for you all with another player two enters the pod. Um, We should have at least one. Because, do you know what? I'm still holding out there. It will be nice, the next episode that we do, that we have a morpher on. So, do you know what? I'm going to put it out there. I'm not announcing the next battle for Jinjos. The next podcast will be a player two enters the pod. And it will just be me and Amorpha talking about both of these games. Because he's a fan of both of them, believe it or not. About both of these games. Are we all in agreement? I am. It's my podcast. Don't care. Um, 
<laughs> so no vote in two weeks' time. It's going to be me and Amorpha. Don't, we're going to do this. We're going to do this, Amorpha. I don't care. We're going to do this. And I'm sorry that we couldn't arrange it. I just want to have a sit-down talk with you about Doom 64. Can we do that? Yes. Will Pocket Ninja mess up the uh, str uh, the feed? Possibly. Um, do you know what? It's going to lead me to saying to you guys, if you're not already a part of our Twitch community or Discord community, get involved on the old Twitter at N64LifePodcast. There is a little link tree that will take you to both. And, uh, yeah, Discord's a lovely little community out there. It's, it's you know, we chat it from now and then. It's a nice, supportive place. And also the Twitch community. I am so proud of the guy, you guys that come along and chat on that page. I mean, it's such a supportive bump. We've had like the likes of AC join us uh, recently. We've got Yogi that's recently joined us as well. But it's, it's such a lovely place. And if you want to be a part of that, then click on that follow button. Obviously, we're going to put it out there. It's going to happen eventually. Superman 64, in its entirety, will be played by myself once we hit 200 followers. But it would be nice of you guys, if you're not part of already that community, come and join. Because on a Friday, on a Sunday, between 8.30 and 11, it's a lovely place to be. And I really do enjoy it. Um, I was, if you listen back, and I did do the a couple of weeks ago to that prologue, because uh, I will be recording a new uh, a new advert for the uh, podcast every very soon. Um, I, I was listening back and I sounded so daunted by the fact of Twitch. And now, every Friday and Sunday, I really look forward to it. And on that Twitch, you can claim Jinjos or or chat points and you can get yourself a shout out so for the second podcast in a row he loves a good shout out he's already been said once on this podcast misha middle class geek i think that's it Isn't it middle class geek i've doubted myself multi yeah middle class geek. no multi-class geek multi-class geek thank you so much for all your support, Mish. You know how much I appreciate it. Um, and yeah, we're going to be... If you're listening to this today, if you're listening to this before 8.30, come and join us. We, You can vote for what the next game will be. And Christian went in there. He's not getting a shout this time. Christian went in there and we're going to be playing Wave Race tonight. Um, and then also on a Sunday, the game has changed. Ocarina of Time's been completed. Rogue Squadron got me frustrated. And I found possibly what could be one of my new favorite games for this console. And that's Custom Robo. So if you want to come and see the Chronicles of Matty and his magical freeway gun, then come and give us a... Um, come and join us over there. Um, obviously, as I said before, next podcast will be a chat with me and Amorpha. Player 2 is coming back to the pod. We're gonna talk everything Doom, but I shall see you all soon. Remember, if you want to get hold of me, then on the Twitter, at N64LifePodcast, on the Instagram, at N64LifePodcast, on the Gmail, if you want to send me a little email, uh, N64LifePodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, it's confusing the ats the other way around, but... I shall catch you all soon. And yeah, let's leave it at that. And 
Do you know what? Might even add an advert at the end. Shall I do it again? Yeah, let's do it. I'll just catch you all very, very soon. exclusively for the Nintendo 64, incorporating a new storyline that builds on existing Doom releases, ultra-smooth gameplay with precision control and performance, stunning 3D graphics, CD-quality music and sound effects, radically redesigned creatures, new and enhanced weapons and secrets, over 30 larger and more challenging levels than any previous gaming system could handle. All blended seamlessly to make Doom 64 the most incredible Doom ever. Doom 64 from Midway.